the window, to the wall, to the sweat runs down my balls. All ye skeet, skeet, skeet. All ye skeet, skeet, skeet. Thank you. And <laughs> hey, welcome to the podcast, everybody. My name is Tom Strange. With me, as always, is some of my very best friends since I was a very young kid. Tommy, how you doing? What are you drinking? I am doing okay. I am drinking some Compass Box Orchard House uh, Scotch. It is delicious. How are you doing, Tom? What are you What are you drinking? I'm just drinking Diet Coke at the moment, just because I haven't had a chance to make myself a drink. I was talking to my pretty wife, and I forgot to get anything besides my Diet Coke. Mikey, how you doing? What are you drinking? I am. I'm multitasking. I've got a AW root beer and a bottle of water. So I'm going for a run after this. Really? About how far do you run? Mile. Because I figure uh, if something's chasing me for a mile and can catch me, good for them. If I'm chasing someone, I chase them for a mile and they get away. Good for them. <laughs> uh, I will never forget the scene in Dead Ringers. You guys remember the movie Dead Ringers? There was, there was a great running scene where the guy just outran him, and he's pissed off. He's like, what is it? The guy looked like a marathon runner to you? He was a marathon runner. <laughs> Same guy later on the thing kicks his ass karate style, and he's like, that guy looked like a karate guy to you? <laughs> what the hell? This guy's just better than me. <laughs> Josh, how you doing? What are you drinking, pal? Uh, I am drinking a cobbler, a peach e IPA. It's a little much, so I'm sipping it. Too much, too big. A little too big, yeah. Would you say it's colossus? Uh, it is colossal, yeah. And speaking of colossal, that's our subject for the day. And uh, before we start, uh, Mike, you have a picture of a colossus behind you that we weren't able to identify earlier. It is your background picture. I think it's a brood infected colossus. I think that's what the general consensus was. Though it could be something else. Or again, I he also looks a little dinosaur-y, so maybe a a Sauron influence. But or I see, you know, of course I see uh, magic in front of him. So this could be Belesco. Belesco is that was that demon's name? Uh, yeah, Belesco, okay. the Lord of Hell before she took over. So oh, which, which one is it? Yeah. It is Colossus who has been infected uh, with the power of the Juggernaut. The Juggernaut. Okay. Yes. That's Nobody, Sidorak there. The, the Stone of Sidorak. Yeah. The Ruby of Sidorak, I suppose. Yeah, but I think he gets it right from Sidorak, right? Because. Yes. Yeah, because Cain Marco goes to one of the gods oh, over Sidorak's head. He fucking goes over Sidorak's head. He, like. He doesn't even fill out his TPS reports. He goes right over Sidorak's head Kane to his Marcos, boss. Kane Marcos said, I want to speak to the manager? Yes, and he got and he got there. And and the god over Sidorak was like, yeah, yeah, okay, Kane Marco, you can handle Sidorak. You can handle me. And then Colossus was like, Sidorak, let's fucking make a deal. Do this thing. All right. Who knew that Kane Marcos was a Karen? Yeah, his other superpower is paperwork. Yeah. I'd like to return these bands of Sidorak. I'd like to return them. They're not they're not banding enough. They're not banding enough. Uh, who lost that toss, by the way? Who's giving us the... Uh... I'll do it. I didn't lose, but I'll <laughs> give, give you the background anyways. 
Colossus, a.k.a. Peter Rasputin, a member of Marvel Comics X-Men. He has also been a member of X-Force, the Phoenix Five, Excalibur, pretty much every X-Team. He's been uh, involved with at some point, except for X-Factor. I don't think he was ever a member of X-Factor. But he is one of the powerhouses, first appearing in Giant Size X-Men number one, created by Len Wein and Dave Cochran, uh, with some input from Roy Thomas, is what I've been led to believe. Uh, He is originally from the Soviet Union and emigrates to the United States to help Charles Xavier rescue his old team of X-Men from Krakoa. And let's see, he's he's able to change his body into, is it steel? Is that basically? Yeah. Yeah. Bioorganic metal. Yeah. 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 Some organic metal. It gives him super strength. If you were uh, playing the old Marvel game, role-playing game, it was monstrous strength, putting him slightly below the main heavy hitters of the Marvel Universe, but still pretty damn strong. Later on, he he he's he can go toe to toe with just about anybody in the Marvel Universe, uh, power wise. Maybe not the Hulk, but yeah, he could hold his own for a little while against the Hulk. He has also gone up toe to toe against Juggernaut, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. He at one point was uh, did have the power of the Juggernaut merged with his powers, which made him totally kick ass. Um, and that's we might as well start talking about some of our favorite storylines because he is he's been an X Men for quite a while and was one of the the mainstays of the X universe all through um, well all, all all the way through. Uh, Claremont's run, I believe, right? Yeah. Essentially. Uh, so yeah, he's a he's been in a shit ton of comics and mostly for having a relationship with Kitty Pride and his little sister Ileana. Uh-oh. Is you gotta have a com- better comma there, man. <laughs> you can't say had a relationship with Kitty Pride and his little sister. I'm just gonna make sure that we're. Uh, yeah. He had a romantic relationship with Kitty Pride. Yeah. His little sister, Ileana Rasputin, is also a superhero that goes by the name Magic. And yeah, so I know some of my favorite storylines with Colossus. I think we all know Josh's, but yeah. what about you, LT? What do you get? So there was an X-Men story uh, graphic novel that I read a long time ago, and I, I don't remember the name. I, I want to say it was God Loves, Man Kills, but I could be wrong, where it kind of highlighted how pure of heart uh, Colossus was. Of all the X-Men, he was the one that kind of never really strayed except for in the Mutant Massacre. But other than that, he kind of kept hold of the dream and never strayed from it, never went out of line, never killed, never went beyond. And that always kind of stuck with me, even though the book itself wasn't that great. Well, you're 
Oh, those are fighting words. That's one of the best X-Men stories there is. <laughs> no, no, the, the, I don't, it might not have been the book, the book that I'm talking about then. That might not be the book then. But the book that I, that I read that was all about, it was like focused on Colossus and, and his death wasn't that great. But it focused on Colossus being the, the one X-Men that was always pure of heart. And Colossus always did kind of had that sort of naivete and remained kind of the X-Men that wouldn't, wouldn't cross the line. You know, Scott certainly did cross the line. Wolverine was across the line before he even joined the X-Men. Banshee always skirted the line. Aurora crossed the line several times, you know, and yet Peter was the one that wouldn't. Until Josh's comic. Until Josh's comic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you fuck with Kitty, all bets are off. But right. other than that, he's a, he's a gentle giant. Yeah, I mean, the Mutant Massacre for me, uh, 212, he I, you know, I've talked about this book ad nauseum, but um, I think, yeah, I think Col- they use Colossus as sort of the moral compass of the group a lot. Yeah. And it's uh, all that more, you know, emphatic when he uh, when he breaks sort of away from his moral code. He's always been the counterpoint to a lot of the X-Men. He, he's always tried to be uh, the the uh, just a, just a counterpoint to a lot of the things when they start getting into murky and gray areas. Colossus is sort of the narrator's voice to uh, let people know that they're straying from the path. Yeah. And I've always really enjoyed the character. He's, I, I like characters that have a very limited and clearly defined power set, uh, as that makes them having to solve problems in ways that clearly are not tied directly to their powers, right? That's why I generally don't like a lot of magic user comics, because magic just solves stuff, and I don't like that at all. Um, so when you have someone who's just essentially brute strength and invulnerability, who has to go out and still tackle these people with all these very powers and all the problems in the world, it uh, it just makes sometimes for more interesting character. Yeah, that. I think he, like, even when he goes through the Siege Perilous, right, he forgets who he is, but he never, even though he forgets about being an X-Men and a mutant, he doesn't forget who he is at heart, right, because he then becomes a an artist and still is living a, a nice life, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, and it's it's his it's the fact that he does have a very strict moral code because of his upbringing. Family is very important. He considers the rest of the X Men his family. The, the only reason that he did ever cross the line was during the Mutant Massacre when Kitty was injured, and yeah, I'm I'm assuming he thought she was killed, right? Yeah, harpoon. Yeah, basically yeah. nails her and she and she drops. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that that kind of ties in. I've got a bunch of favorite stories with uh, Colossus. X-Men 122 is the trial of Colossus. It was the first X-Men comic I ever picked up because it had Colossus on the cover. He's in the, it's weird, right? He's in the danger room and he's being crushed by these two giant, like, like a vice grip is kind of or something is coming in on him and he's, mm. he's trying to hold it back and it's all spiky and everything. And I was like, 
oh, that's cool. And like Wolverine's just kind of standing in the background going, oh, what the hell's going on? And I was like, what kind of trap was this? And then I was like, oh, this is just their training room? This seems insane. So I didn't buy an X-Men comic for a few uh, a few more years after that. But X-Men number 183, go out and buy it because uh, P- Petter is very upset he has uh, ended his relationship with Kitty, and Wolverine takes him out to go <laughs> drinking, and they just happen to end up in a bar with Juggernaut, who is not trying to do shit, by the way. Minding his own business, trying to pick up a girl. I love this comic. One of my faves. Yep. And Wolverine has tracked juggernaut to this bar so colossus can get into a fight Fight. with juggernaut to let out all his aggression to work it out in his misery one one other thing i want to say as they're leaving nightcrawler says hey what are you doing he's like he needs he needs this he goes he's just a boy he goes nope he's a man and he's gonna be treated like a man (laughs) Wolverine brought him out to get his ass kicked. And Wolverine was like, I might not be able to kick his ass. But I know somebody who can. can. And I can find that person. He found the guy to kick his ass for him because he was so pissed off about Kitty Pride. Yeah. 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 Great great comic. Probably the single best. I mean, the, the Mutant Massacre... That one frame is probably the best Colossus frame ever, but that one issue I I love. That and, is a great issue. That is a good issue. And the storyline I also really like is when Colossus did make the deal and became the avatar of what, what's the name? Sidorak. Sidorak. Yeah. Yeah, and became the Juggernaut slash Colossus. Because he infested himself basically with a demon in order to be able to fight Juggernaut, or Kane Marco, who was no longer the Juggernaut. And he, he, he self-sacrifices a lot in the X-Men comic. And he doesn't, after he gets infected with this power, he doesn't trust himself. So he, he keeps on, he, he imprisons himself. So he doesn't abuse that power. and They only pull him out when it's time to really kick some ass. And what he isn't aware of is that his sister could have cured him the whole fucking time. But Ileana, demonic. <laughs> and, and like the fact that her brother was also demonic and they bonded over that and didn't want to help him work through that and cure him um, and when he found out he was pissed uh, if you want to read that storyline it's right around the time as a versus x okay. where um the phoenix is coming back towards earth to what they believe is going to infect hope the avengers are trying to stop it from happening and the x-men are like you don't get to fucking choose what happens to us. And uh, they tried to divert the power of the Phoenix from going into hope. And it 
doesn't work. Well, it does work, but it gets diverted into five members of the X-Men. Namor, Emma Frost, uh, Cyclops, Colossus, and Magic. And they become the Phoenix Five. And watching Colossus kick the entire fucking team of Avengers asses <laughs> was a thing of beauty because he's like, oh, yeah. yeah that was right. cool, but when the Phoenix Five finally defeated the Harlem Globetrotters, <laughs> that's that's when that's I lost moment, my shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Holy shit, it's like two billion of five. It's, I can't believe they have five. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about my favorite. Like You mentioned my favorite already. I loved, loved, loved that issue. Um, and I was going to talk about that to make the one I'm going to talk about seem less creepy. Uh, Astonishing X-Men number 14. I put a picture of it over there. Uh, Colossus fucks Kitty Pride so bad that she phases naked through the floor of the mansion. <laughs> they actually put that in the comic book. <laughs> and then she runs upstairs. She goes, oh, my God, that's the first time I ever phased. <laughs> And it is hilarious and adult. And I know you're thinking, well, that's kind of pervy and stupid. But man, that was like super silly to me and really funny at the time. And it really, and like the embarrassment and all of it, I really enjoyed that. I know it seems like I'm just getting a cheap laugh out of the sex part of it. But for some reason, for the first time, I thought about the limitations of some of these powers and the stupid side effects and you know, how living with these powers might actually be. And it was kind of funny to me. So I, I, once again, I know this is like right up my alley, silly sex stuff, but I like silly sex stuff. I like a guffaw over sex. And that really, really tickled my fancy at the time. And what happens later when Wolverine punishes him by tracking down Kane Markov was uh, kind of the second part of that. And uh, it was interesting to me. It was an interesting, fun part. And um, Colossus himself... I've always liked. I remember the very first time we see Colossus, he's in that field, total Russian outfit. He's got the the uh, the the the, the uh, just the strap shirt on, and he's working in the field. And the runaway tractor is going right towards Ileana, and he turns into Colossus and he punches the tractor, and he goes, "The we'll never recover from the financial loss of this tractor in Soviet Russia." But it was worth it. You guys, I, I always liked that scene, too. Because I thought that really does encapsulate Colossus, too. I mean, when you talk about the self-sacrifice, even that very first four panels show that this is the guy willing to land the barbed wire uh, so the rest of the team can keep moving forward. See how I made that wholesome? <laughs> and his dad was like, couldn't you just stop the track? Couldn't you stop the track? Couldn't you have like, picked it up? Couldn't you have picked up the girl and ran? You just could have picked her up and moved out of the way. It's a tractor. It's not like... You didn't have to couldn't punch it. jumped? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even like think that tractor was track. moving that fast. It's a tractor. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. It's moving a Soviet-made tractor. It's a Soviet-era tractor. <laughs> oh no! Look out! In ten minutes, it will run you over. Ah! Ah! Yeah. There's a long line three miles long to get to the tractor in Soviet era. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Takes as long to get to the. The little girl, as Tom's joke from last night. Still waiting. Wait for it. <laughs> I've decided to turn that into the longest joke ever. I'm going to be dead three years, and one of you sons of bitches every single day out of nostalgia is still going to type, 
Wait, Wait for it. it. <laughs> so, just so you know. I'm going to carve that on your headstone. Thank you. Wait for it. <laughs> uh, that's from uh, yesterday's adventure. Uh, that's a little tangential. Are we done talking about Colossus? We can move on to other stuff? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I really do like this character. He really is the one of the cornerstones of the new X-Men team, I think. I think you, we can always count on Colossus to be there, uh, to be our moral compass, to help ground the team, and, and just to be a voice of reason. Has he ever been the leader? No. no. He doesn't no. strike me as the leader type. He's he's not just a follower either. He's his own person, too, in, in many cases. But the leader, maybe not as much. But he's the conscious. Yeah. Is He's also good? the like when the when Claremont took over, he tried to have a dichotomy between all of them. So even though he's this big brute, uh, massive force, he's also the artist of the group, right? He's got that yeah. soft side to him, the artistic side. To yeah, yeah. He's the counterpoint to Wolverine, and they're also friends. Yeah, yeah. they can be. Even though Wolverine got his ass kicked by Deserve you guys got to be punished like a man. If he was a boy, I'd punish him like a boy. He's a man, I'm going to punish him like a man. I think that was the line. It was something really close to that. I love that line. Mike, what do you got at the front of the long box, my friend? At the front of the long box, I have the most challenge slash banned book in uh, or graphic novel in the country right now. I don't know if you guys can see that or not. Because my yeah. camera sucks. You can't read the letter. Yeah. 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 It is Gender Queer, a memoir by Maya Kobay. It is a uh, autobiography about a person who is non-binary and um, yeah, asexual. Um, it's the reason that it is so challenged is because the arguments are it is not appropriate for children. And I will probably concur with you. It is not a book for children, but high school students and above, it's a perfectly fine book. It's a great book for understanding the and uh, helping you gain empathy for what non-binary people go through the self-loathing the fear the hatred of themselves uh, because they are different and they can't even define what they are is uh, the the main issue and he or excuse me E talks about their E talks about Ur's path to uh, self-actualization. So if you're not aware, a an asexual is a person who does not consider themselves male or female. And a you know, asexual non-binary, excuse me. The 
asexual part is they're like they they can find both men and women attractive, but they don't want to have sex with them at all. The main character, you know, Maya goes by the pronouns E, ear, and M because he does not feel that he or she really works, although he was born as a female. There's a, a section in there where they talk about the uh, pronouns, and I was trying to explain it to my wife, <laughs> and my wife was like, just, I don't understand why you got to create new pronouns. And I'm like, well, the reason they've created new pronouns is because it, the pronouns that we have don't really define them. And it's not a matter, it, it's all a point of, hey, if, like, just say, for example, your name was, you know, Albert, and you hated the name Albert. If you ask somebody, please don't call me Albert, call me Jim. And they constantly refer to you as Albert. You would think this person's being a dick, right? And that's kind of the same way with the pronouns, trying to get them right for that person. It's not about, it's about making them feel comfortable and who they are, right? Does that make sense? Makes total sure. sense. Yeah. yeah. It's a minefield. I, I can see that your trepidation and, and, and uh, th- this is something I've, uh, I've worked on a lot. Uh, I, when I lived in San Francisco, I taught uh, martial arts at the LGBTQQAAII community to our trans kids who were living in the street. And it took me a while to get all the nomenclatures and, and different things done. Uh, when you're talking about asexual people, you're also talking about also aromantic people. Uh, aromantic, asexual, and there's a whole list that goes along with that too. So there are a lot of things to learn, but as long as, as you were saying, you err on the side of kindness, I don't think you can lose. Yeah, and I think that's what most people want is the attempt, right? Yeah. As long as you're trying, they, they may correct you, but they're correcting you so that way, you know, you get it right not to be a dick about it, right? Yeah, there are some people who just virtue signal. I was working in this one cafe where I had a uh, gender-neutral friend named Owen. Owen was terrific, and Owen liked uh, gender-neutral terms, they, them. And I messed it up every once in a while. Owen presented as gender-neutral, but it was kind of easy to make a mistake, especially with a masculine name. And what I do, Owen would just give me a little punch, like, hey, they, them. And I'm like, oh, sorry, buddy. I got you. I got you. But I had these two other waitresses. And if I messed up, they would snap at me and scream at me and and call and, and just say the worst things to me about me being unaccepting, even though I liked Owen. What I didn't like was those two assholes. <laughs> uh, even my buddy Lorelai, and I, I got plenty of friends who've made the transition. You know, working – in um, a restaurant field, <laughs> you're going to have people, uh, all kinds of friends and all kinds of people and all kinds of relationships. I, I kind of uh, find it funny if people don't have, I mean, meet some people. For fuck's sake, if you don't have one trans person in your life, 
get out there and shake some hands for fuck's sake. We were talking today about um, a friend of ours has uh, just won some tickets down to Beale Street for the Beale Music Festival, and they asked me what's a good gay bar. And there are a couple of gay bars on Beale Street. Um, RuPaul has one actually called Ru's Place. It's real nice, but, you know, kind of thinking about it, like, what bar isn't kind of a gay bar anymore? Like, we're all a little, yeah, all bars are been a little, and I say that in a nice way, by the way. No, no, what bar is it a gay bar? God damn it. Just, it seems that, that all bars are pretty accepting lately, which is great. Yeah. Sorry, I jumped in there. <laughs> this is a very good comic for teens to, and I recommend it to anybody who has a teen because some teens struggle with their identity. And it's not just their gender identity, it's, this is a book about just struggling with who you are. And that's a universal topic. Everybody at some point in their life feels out of the norm and as the other. And it's important that people read these kind of books in order to gain empathy for those who are different than the norm. Besides the state of Florida, where else is this band? Uh, that was everywhere. The default. <laughs> well, so everywhere. Texas has seen it. Uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Florida, Indiana. There are places where if this was in a school, the librarian could go to jail. The The amount of books that are currently being banned have increased exponentially. And the reason behind that is, one, they're mainly going after LGBTQ uh, books, but also some of the these far-right people have decided to put together a list of books that they consider unacceptable. And so, whereas before, book challenges uh, in libraries, etc., would be individual challenge, like, hey, this book is I'm challenging because of this. Whereas now, there are lists on the internet where people can go and, without having ever read the book, most of the people who do challenge these books have never read the book at all. And when the book does get challenged, they can't articulate why they don't want it other than it's not appropriate for children is their go-to thing. And the argument is, you know, that people are constantly making is, you know, I should be able to decide what my child reads which is a fair argument, but you shouldn't get to decide what other people's children get to read. So, yeah. I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, we do have to be aware of what children are reading at what age, I think. Age appropriate is a thing, but um, you yeah, can't take but what, too far. what they're doing now is they're eliminating I, I, books saying yeah. this is not appropriate for any age, like uh, – the, the book about the two male penguins yeah, who are yeah. bringing up a, a, a baby penguin. Yeah. Like that's a, that's literally a child's book. What they're yeah. saying is no, 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 this is, this is not appropriate for a child. Like, yeah, it's exactly what it's designed for. Child. So, I yeah. know it's also a true story. Yeah. Yeah. We have that in our preschool and I read it. And I wanted to make fun of it. I wanted to find something, some kind of humor in it, something kind of funny. It's just adorable. 
It's just the cutest stupid thing. There's nothing to even make fun of in there. It's just a little cute story. It's very sh- it's tiny. It's nothing. It's there's not even enough to mine for something funny in there. It's just a cute story. They all look alike. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Talking about penguins. <laughs> That's the best joke I could come up with. That. Tommy, that's a great book, and that's a great uh, great get, uh, Mike. I'm glad you brought that one up. Tommy, what do you got at the back of the long box? I have Invisible Kingdom by G. Willow Wilson and Christian Ward. Uh, this that's is a, a lot story. Of, a lot of W's. Yeah. Do it one more time. I think you messed up. G. Willow Wilson and Christian Ward. G. Willow Wilson, by the way, if you don't follow her on Twitter, you're wrong. She's adorable. G. Willow Wilson. All right. She's the creator of Kamala Khan. Oh, nice. This is a fantastic book, by the way. Uh, It is a story of a ragtag group of delivery drivers, to put it any other way. They're they're basically a, a group that delivers packages for this mega corporation that delivers all sorts of useless stuff to people. And the corporation is is sort of deferring maintenance on their their spaceship. And because of that, it crashes and they have to they have to, you know, crash land on a on a planet and fix the spaceship because it it hasn't been kept up with the maintenance. And because of that the packages are late they're not within the delivery window that this corporation guarantees normally and they discover that some of the packages have broken open and that there's nothing in them and they do some digging and find out that there's some fraud going on and find out that oh shit there's some fraud going on at the corporation we are in so much trouble if, if anybody knows that we knew we know that there's a problem and so they're really worried they, they get their ship back on track they package up all they, they fix the packages as much as they can they're like deliver them out they're like yeah we're good we're all fine everything's fine here and that's one storyline going on so apart from this this mega corporation that basically controls everything called lux there's a group of nuns from the renunciation that also has a decent amount of power. And then there's the government. And it's a story about these three forces that are working kind of in, in opposite and parallel and not working at all. Uh, and it's just a, a really great story about fraud intertwined in these three different groups of beings. And this one group of ragtag people that are caught kind of in the middle of it all and and how they're trying to get out of being caught in the middle of it all and it was very good it was very well done and there's definitely some parallels to things that are going on in the world today that sounds like a fun one yeah Yeah, and when you first started describing it i thought until you got to the fraud part i was like oh this is this pirate corps working for amazon (laughs) <laughs> oh man, this that's a good comic. Pirate Core yeah. is such a good comic. You should do Pirate Core. I'd be probably did Pirate Core already. We, we certainly haven't. We haven't done Pirate. We got to do Pirate Core. That's a great comic. I've talked about Pirate Core before. Oh, yeah, it's, come, it's definitely come up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is a really great comic. Sorry, that was a little tangential. Josh, you're the king of tangents. You got one for us? Yeah. So this week, as you might have heard on our earlier podcast, um, we lost Gordon Lightfoot. And uh, one of the things 
first of all, he's my D&D bard. Every time I picture a bard in a tavern, it's Gordon Lightfoot. That's who's singing in the tavern. But one of the things that uh, I, I found out very late into loving the song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, was just how modern it was. Like, I don't in my brain, he was singing this song about like a, a, a yeah. you know, a sailing, a sailing boat that like broke in half, you know, and I didn't find out till like very, very recently when I was like, huh, oh, the Edmund Fitzgerald. I'm like, I wonder if there's actually a picture of that. And I searched for it and it's like a modern tanker ship. And I'm like, the fuck is that? <laughs> and then I looked up and I'm like, when did this story happen? And it was like in my lifetime. It was like in the 70s. And I was like the fuck is that yeah i and, knew i was aware of the end of Fitzgerald going down uh maybe not at the exact time but i knew it was in my lifetime and uh the the tattletale the the wires make a tattletale sound you didn't get that just from that no what i missed was actually the tonnage of the what i didn't yeah. like process i was like yeah no wooden ship would have that much yeah in it like but yeah, there were definitely clues I was ignoring. I get it. Like, I, you know, but I love the song. I listened to it a lot. And for some reason in my head, it was always just like pirate ship going down somewhere that was carrying stuff on the. Yeah. And uh, wow. Well, I like your up. version better now. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I wish I had your version. I always have this sad version of a bunch of um, union workers die because they gathered the union hall. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so is there a, a, a like a song or an event that you were just like, what? That's modern? Like, or that you just were, you just like completely misconstrued uh, in its uh, its time frame or place? Uh, hmm. As a historian, <laughs> uh, there, there's been a bunch of things where I always put it like in the weirdest of spots. Um, so let me think about that for a second. Pipe up if anyone else has got one. Well, I this is this is not quite what you're asking, but I yeah. remember when I got to college, they uh, Michael Jackson's "Man in the Mirror" came out, and I was in a class where we were somebody mentioned it, and I was like, "Yeah, but I mean, there's no racism anymore, right? We solved that with the civil rights era." <laughs> And they were like, what the fuck are you talking about, Banning? And I'm like, are you telling me they're still racist? <laughs> like, I had no idea. I was in college, and I had never met a racist. Probably had met one or two. But oh, you'd met them. But oh, I didn't they were know. There. <laughs> right. Because there was no one, because you lived in Palmer, Mike, and there was no one to be racist, too. Right. Well, we had one family, but they were nice. There were the Smiths and the Malones and, and the Du Bois, and I knew all three families. So, like, it it never occurred to me that it still existed. Yeah, Josh, you were a token Jew. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we, we, we had a nice smattering. Yeah. The Jewish neighborhood in my town was my house. Yeah. 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 And I even had to – I checked the profit out of the library and got rid of it so people wouldn't know I was making up Jewish holidays. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I think I still have the copy from Munson High. I think the the last person checked out in that book. Yeah, I, I remember Andy would give Brian shit because Brian was a Unitarian rather than a Catholic. 
<laughs> that was like the closest I could get. And I'm like, don't we believe in the same God? And and he's like, it's not really the same. <laughs> Come on, Mike. Fucking Unitarians. Mike, you never talked for more than 30 seconds to my mom? No. 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 I tried to. It's good. No. It's no. good. The answer to that question is no. Because we, we could have we helped you out in college. <laughs> Uh, uh, now a lot of things are coming straight to mind. Tom, you got one? Uh, I mean, I always kind of want to do the reverse. Like, I always hear that song, Granite Mills, and kind of like want to like try to track down the place where that happened, where that tragedy happened. Yeah, that's in Granite Mills. I know it's around here. Yeah, it's close. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, sometimes I get confused uh, with the industrial, the timeline for the industrial revolution, because you have to remember that uh, the, the it really kind of starts off with uh, you know the, the the cotton gin and the steam engine, and it yes. progresses so very quickly after that. There's a lot of times, and then it leads us to our first big you know industrial tragedy well not our first big one but like some of the big ones like the granite mills tragedy and of course the triangle shirtwaist uh factory and those tragedies in a row i get confused uh on that timeline all the time like when did the jungle happen hold on that's way later okay hold on i can put that over there that's the meatpacking industry and then there's triangle shirt and there's granite mills and there's triangle shirtwaist so some of the big industrial accidents in the united states i get uh as a historian i get confused because they're all so similar and they all happen in the same stupid ass way. Management is trying to enforce stupid rules that beats down the working man and this happens. Uh, and they're all so similar in why they happen that they're easily confused in my head. So what you're saying is someday this summer we need to track down where the granite mills happen and go. I go to the granite mills stretch. Actually, that's not even that hard. I bet I can do that with like 45 minutes of uh, work. Because it's like somewhere in Bedford or somewhere, right? Yeah. Josh yeah. is doing that right there's now. A, there's a plaque in Bedford. Easy. <laughs> oh, that's that's one thing. That, uh, another thing. The I, Fall River. The Fall I, River. I found the marker for the founding of Palmer, which was right near Hotel Hell. Yeah. I was about to say it's right. Yeah. It's on that bridge. I had never seen it until I was 52 years old. Ah. I was like, what the fuck is this? Me and Jay used to pee on it. <laughs> like, screw this town. We're getting out of here. One of us did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was one of our favorite places to pee. Anybody else? The Tuffy. I, I, I knew and liked that song. There were a lot of little tells, like the Union Hall stuff, and that all kind of gave it away for me on that particular song. Okay. I mean, I don't. Okay. But the Union Hall, the, the, they gathered the Union Hall to mourn. Yeah, I don't think Union Halls are that new. Wouldn't be pirates though. No, I just pictured that kind of Wait, ship. What? Are you saying pirates, pirates get unionized? No, I just, I just thought the era of which the ship was in was like, you know. And once again, I wish I had it your way, because it's so better your way. I now thought I the about... whole damn thing is a shanty in my head. I thought of it from like the 30s or 40s. Yeah. 
Yeah, I did not realize it was in my lifetime either until I started doing research on Gordon Lightfoot, (laughs) which was last year. (laughs) I'm glad you guys got to see him in concert, though, before he passed. That's nice. Yeah, he was amazing. I'm very happy that we saw him. I'm glad that he didn't die on stage. Like, there are a lot of things I was happy about. <laughs> There's a lot of things that. Glad there about. wasn't a fire in the theater. Yeah. Yeah, I got a muffin later. It was very moist. Very happy about that. All right, you're a happy guy. I like that. Moving on. Uh, anything to plug, guys? I'd like to plug geekorthodox.com. 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 Hello, Tammy. Geekorthodox.com. Purveyor of fine. Stained glass prints, Johnny Skywalker rocks glasses, uh, sake sets, you name it, they've got it. Geekorthodox.com. If you want apparel, you have to go to ianlino.com for all your t-shirts, socks, uh, baseball caps, all that stuff. You have to go to ianlino.com. But for everything else, you can go to geekorthodox.com. And I'd like to plug our Patreon page. Uh, If you are the Patreon at Longbox Guys, you will find us. And uh, for a mere $1 a month. Wait, did you just say $1 a month? $1 a month, 75 cents less than LT charges for a hand job on a sunny day if you give them an ice cream cone. It's all it takes. And all the money that we do make at that uh, website does go to the Elizabeth Peabody House, our local uh, food bank, uh, feeding over 100 families every every week when we got enough food. And uh, they do a great job over there. Yeah, we got a couple of conventions coming up. Awesome Con, uh, the weekend of June 16th, and then Terrific Con at Mohegan Sun on July 29th. And we're not speaking at either of them, so not come speaking hang out with us. Yeah, oh, yeah around the, Mohegan, trouble. the Mohegan Sun one is fun, man. I want to spend all day there. There's so many good people there, and it's a nice venue, and you can go gamble. Yeah, and it's very comic booky. There's a lot of artists, creators, yeah. writers. Yeah. It is actually focused on comic books more so than uh, a lot of the other conventions these days we didn't spend enough time there last year i don't think we hit it like kind of quick no i, I had know something who to we do. are yeah yeah i went there the day before all of you just to get all my diving through comic books out of the way yeah you had like a, a dinner or a lunch or something before i had something yeah i only yeah, came yeah. out for a couple hours yeah uh, yeah uh, i was there sure. all day I think I might I think I might spend the night there this year. There's a lot of good stuff going on. On the convention and, uh, floor, sleeping yeah. bag under somebody's table. What the hell, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're spending the night there sometime this weekend. The Aces are coming. Uh, that's uh, Las Vegas uh, ladies football team, football, basketball team. And uh, my wife is a huge fan, and we're going to uh, watch them play the Connecticut uh, something or something others. Something or others. Yeah. Probably Huskies. Yeah. No, that's UConn. That's the actual. Yeah. This is a UConn, UConn, basketball. UConn ladies uh, uh, didn't make it to the finals this year. That was crazy. They're a powerhouse. They've made it like every year for like 10 years, 15 years. I was I was amazed. I guess you got to watch women's basketball. Know that, and the but. Bruins screwed the pooch in the last second. Oh, yeah. my yeah. Lord. I'm not even a huge fan. I was watching that going, Jesus, how do you screw up a season like that? Okay, I. I, I never really paid attention to this before, but the Skittles Twitter account is pretty damn funny. And they they posted, and I'm quoting, my weekend wasn't great, but at least I didn't choke away a 3-1 playoff lead. Anyways, taste the rainbow. 
Boston! And their next tweet is, please stop throwing Skittles into Boston Harbor. It was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) It was a joke. Nice job, Skittles. I followed you. I used to like them. I mean, no, I don't like eating them. Yeah. No, they're just... You can a Smarty any day. They're rocks. Smarty. Like Smarty. Good Smarty? 3-18, Smarty. Go. 3. 3? Smarties? Want me to tell you the fucking story about Smarties? What happened to Smarties? When I was a little kid, there was the the parade that went through downtown Munson and the fire trucks to throw candy. And they threw Smarties at me. And I took one out and I tried to eat a Smartie and I sneezed and it got lodged in my sinuses. And my fucking dad tried to get it out with a pair of fucking tweezers for like 20 minutes until the inside of my nose was a bloody fucking mess. Until someone was like, just run some saline through there and dissolve it. Yeah, I don't fucking eat Smarties anymore. (laughs) The sugar rush when that thing dissolved, though. It must have been great. (laughs) So angry at Smarties. I was like, bye. Mike, 3 to 18 Smarties. I, I don't, I've never had a Smartie. you never had a Smartie? Wow. Yeah, I'm I like my nose like the way nine. it is. <laughs> <laughs> you snort them, right? Yeah. <laughs> obviously. Snort, right? obviously. Everybody freebases Smarties, right? Yeah. I mean, you crush them up, you put them in a line, and you snort them. I mean, that's the way you do it. <laughs> All right. Does anyone like sweet tarts? I like sweet tarts. I do love sweet tarts. Sweet tarts are good. Big, they're like a smarty, like uh, yeah, they're like a, just a big ass smarty with a little candy shell on them. Yeah. 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 It's been a lot, harder to, a lot harder to snort. <laughs> All right, Neko wafer. What does Neko stand for, Josh? New England candy something. New England so- candy. New England Confectionery Company. There you oh, go. That's yeah. Candy was huge during the Civil War. Every Civil War soldier from the and you the know what? Those Neko wafers are still from the Civil War. And they're still so they haven't changed shit. They just keep recycling the same wafers because nobody keeps eating them. <laughs> they keep sending them back. What the fuck, Neko wafers? Send it back. Neko wafers, just rewrap it and send it out again. <laughs> I think you're thinking of candy corn, but okay. Anybody else got anything else to say about plugs or anything? Uh, I would like to thank Kirby Crackle for providing our geek rock music every week. You can check them out at kirbycracklemusic.com. Yeah. Speaking of music, what did you guys think of my song at the, at the beginning? It's delightful. Thank you. That's a, that's that's my version of To the Window to the Wall on banjo. Scored it myself. That's why I'm kind of proud of it. I just got, I was strumming one day, and I kind of got it. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what that sounds like. All right. Now I'm making it into a filk, and I'm having a good time. I like playing banjo. <laughs> And that'll just about do it for this week. Terrific on Josh, is that your sector? Uh, Yeah, that will be my sector. And that's real close to your house, too. You're not going to stay Not as close away. as Mike's, but yeah. yeah, close. Mike, how close are you to Terrific God? 20 minutes. 20 minutes? All right. We can't all sleep at your place, though. Uh, Tommy. I mean, you you can. It just won't be comfortable. It just won't be comfortable. Fair. Uh, you got a lot of kids there. You can't be sleeping with all those kids around uh tommy sweet sweet tommy anything uh any last words of wisdom for us uh, if you haven't gotten your booster shot go get it go get boosted and uh mikey uh what's this podcast like to you it's like drunk history but for comics don't forget what i always say don't do what you hate just promote what you love you'll live longer thank you for the lot box guys bye bye